Welcome to Boom Talk Studios, deep in the heart of Overcast, South Eugene, Oregon. Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 4. Ken Harlan, your faithful host here. I'd like to thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song, helping out all sorts of content creators. Well, 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 folks. A lot going on this week, as always. Crazy times. Been trying to get a outline together for this episode uh, all day long, and things keep changing and moving. As our friend of the show, Alec Ford, always talks about, really hard to keep up with the 24-hour, seven-day news cycle. Anyway, without further ado, we are going to kick straight into it. And we're going to go with our usual opener. The COVID Chronicles. Well, yeah, another busy week on the COVID front. And it started out with last week. If you were watching, following the NBA, as far as the super team that they're building in Brooklyn, you know that Kevin Durant had to leave the game. Apparently, some contract tracing, you know, that uh, he, it was a, a fear that he had tested positive again recently and all these other things. Apparently, he's good. He'll be back on the court Friday, according to Steve Nash. They could definitely use him. We've had some, you know, all sorts of games, like Portland and Charlotte was off for COVID reasons. In the NHL, you've got the Sabres, Wild, and Avalanche, and Devils that will all have games postponed this week due to COVID-19 quarantine protocols. So since the NHL has started on January 13th, they've had 33 games postponed, and there's 15 games as of today that still need to be rescheduled. Uh, going across the pond, as Champions League is getting ready to resume with the knockout round, still waiting some resolution on this one, where Germany is, is reportedly going to deny Liverpool entry for its upcoming match with Leipzig. Not necessarily sure how that's going to like play, whether it's going to go to a neutral site or, you know, that's coming up real quick. What's today? The 10th. So, yes, that's going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. Definitely be keeping an eye on that. There's lots of players in isolation over there. Among them, Bele, several Atletico Madrid players have, been, have tested for positive. Now they're in isolation. So, yeah, your typical as far as the pros go. Nothing major to report from the NBA or NHL, which is a good thing as far as individual players that have had to go into isolation. Said there have been teams that are missing games, but that may do more about contract tracing and just to be on the safe side. So, you know, we had the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that. But, of course, afterwards, people not do what they're supposed to as far as masking up and maintaining safe distances. And apparently, well, not even apparently, just, you know, reading... Tampa's mayor's frustrations are really boiling over with these post-game celebrations. I'm sure you saw that people were just pressed, you know, shoulder to shoulder, hugging, kissing, and all that kind of stuff. We get it. But 
Apparently, Mayor Jane Castor is so angry, she vows to vigorously prosecute those that were not in compliance. See how that goes? Because I was looking at those videos. Kind of seems quite a few people were getting their stupid on. And so, speaking of MLB, this edict was just announced yesterday that apparently from spring, from the beginning of spring training through the regular season, all MLB personnel will have to wear electronic, electronic tracing wristbands or face discipline from the league. Well, we're going to have to try to, once again, with that, if you're not in the bubble situation, and at this point it's probably not logistically feasible. I don't think that's going to be too much to ask, given... We'll talk about some of the numbers that are being bounced around when I get to the baseball section, but seems like a wise thing as far as uh, MLB being proactive. Then we also just found out today as well, Governor Cuomo, yeah, that governor, he's announcing that as soon as next week, I believe, New York sports venues can reopen at 10% capacity. Kind of curious to see what that looks like. You know, you're starting to get that sense of some people, of some places. I mean, this is even concert venues, too. So I'm not sure if people are going to have to be masked up. I didn't get a chance to read up exactly what that means, but we're going to start seeing at Knicks, Nets, Rangers, Islanders. You get the point. We'll see, you know, how quickly that spreads otherwise. We'll take that as a positive sign that we are moving forward. To, there will be, I don't think, normalcy anytime soon as long as COVID is hanging over you know, our society and you know, the world for that matter. But seeing fans in indoor venues, you know, the vaccine's going to be making some kind of attraction or the confidence that we're beyond this. But, you know, we will see. Okay, so let's... Let's really take a quick uh, turn and let's uh, hop in our Gulfstream 550 and let's take our 43,000 foot view above campus. A uh, sober note to report to start off with, uh, our uh, rest in peace to Texas Rio Grande coach Lou Hill, who unexpectedly passed away at 55 this week. Uh, our condolences go out to his family and all of the uh, Vaqueros fans. So as far as campus goes well we had big thing that just dropped uh, about two days ago I believe or was it yesterday I can't remember but the Miami yeah the Miami North Carolina game that was scheduled for for 2-8 was off after it was called off after a video surfaced of Tar Hill players going unmasked partying it up after they beat their arch rival Duke Players say they're sorry, and of course you're sorry after you get made a fool nationally, right? And, you know, all the shaming that's going on in Twitter and all the shouts of irresponsibility. And, oh, those college kids. You know, we've been talking about this all along, you know, that it hasn't been more of an issue. But somehow, as I always tell people, if you're going to be out there doing stupid, always remember there's cell phones, cameras, NBC, you know. Yes, we're in a very uh, intrusive universe. And in this time, and I, you know, as I've said in this podcast from the beginning, when it comes to college sports, 
even professional sports, you know, just given the party atmosphere that comes after games in practice, that was going to be hard. And these videos surface in the interest of safety. Hopefully, you know, just like with Tampa, we don't have a super spreader. Same thing with, with this, this after party. Anyhow, the game got postponed. Simple as that. A lot of games off this week as well. No TCU and Baylor. No LSU. Florida State. In fact, number two Baylor is going to miss additional games this week. Uh, the SEC postpones Georgia and AM, Tennessee and Florida, which was supposed to be played tonight. And the conference also postpones the Lady Vols new, the next two games. And then we have Louisville's coach Chris Mack testing positive for COVID-19. And his team will continue to pause basketball activities for at least the remainder of this week. So, yes, COVID-19 on the Pelotron wreaking havoc. Pros and colleges, especially colleges as well. I think we're seeing a little stability, although, as I just talked about, with some of the hockey and soccer. But still, the report isn't as long as it has been. So that's that's a good thing. College is still pretty sketchy with these programs, coaches, I mean, you know, just the whole or the whole. I don't know why. What's the word I'm looking for? Right, the whole body. The NCAA, as far as you know, men's, women's sports. And now we're supposed to move towards spring. And I know that the high schools and places like I know here in Oregon and California, they are really pushing to get the kids back out on the fields, but at the same time, get them in the classroom. So once again, things are moving, but COVID's still on the Peloton eating the steroids, doing the clean and clear, you know, the same stuff I say every week. Okay, so let's move away from all that. Let's, like, talk about some actual sports. So, as far as what's going on at the hardwood this week, so the Zags still remain unbeaten, ranked number one. Have a change of the women's top 25 as South Carolina takes the top spot with Connecticut charging close by. And that's actually going to change because when... UConn and South Carolina played on Monday night. UConn knocked South Carolina off in the overtime, 63-59. So I would imagine if UConn doesn't stumble, they will be number one when I talk to you again next week. Speaking of the polls, something that hasn't happened in the 12, in 12 years, Bill Self and Kansas are unranked. Gee. You can say COVID, you can say a lot of things. Strange things have been happening. So anyway, we can, it has been confirmed now as far as the ladies' tournament is going to be held in the bubble in San Antonio. Hope that all works out well, just like the men's tournament in Indianapolis. So, what else went on? As, as far as notable games and our review of what's happening on the hardwood, we have the Buckeyes, number seven, got a huge road win against Iowa, who's also ranked. You had Oklahoma State knocking off number six, Texas, in double overtime. You had number 18, Missouri, knocking off Bama. Big home win for them, 68-65. You had the number 12, Illini, beating the Badgers, the were 19, in a, rank, in a matchup of ranked teams, 75-60. This was at home in Champaign. 
Number 23, Kansas at the time, was upset by number 17, West Virginia, 9179, 9179, excuse me, need my caffeine. But that's why they're not in the top 25 anymore at this point. And then also, as we always like to have our Cinderella stories, number 24, Drake, remained unbeaten as they had an 80-77 win at Valparaiso on Sunday. So, yeah. As far as what else is going on, Football-wise, Iowa State extends Matt Campbell through 2028. Why I bring that up is that, as I keep talking about, you know, the coach, the the NFL and its coaching carousel, looking for the next winner. Could he was really high, or as they say, the short list. A lot of teams were looking at him. Apparently, he's happy to stay with the cycle, the Cyclones through 2028. And another interesting thing, as far as Teams looking to bolster their recruiting possibilities. Getting, you know, some decorated college and NFL players to join your staff. So in this particular case, as consultants. But Teddy Bruschi and Vince Young are returning to their alma maters as consultants. And they're going to Arizona and Texas, respectively. So cool for them. Kind of like to see that. Now, there's been an ongoing uh, discussion about college teams, whether they should do their thing or should they be more NFLs. I think, you know, as I've said many times, the more geared you are to a, a pro-style offense, having people on your staff that have NFL experience, if you're one of these top five, I mean, power five, excuse me, uh, teams, your recruits, your blue chippers, blah, blah, blah. They want to play on Sunday. And the more attractive you can be, and that's why I think Herm Edwards is being successful. That's why I know Pete Carroll was very successful at USC. I think having, you know, that NFL presence, you know, these guys see that and they respect that. And, you know, guys like, you know, I mean, obviously Vince Young's NFL career wasn't that great, but he's a legend as far as what he did at Texas. And we know Bruschi and what he did with the Patriots. May not like the guy, you know, gets on my nerves because he's a little too arrogant at times. But I know if I'm at Arizona and I see him, especially given, you know, the train wreck that Kevin Summerlin made that program. Well, anyways, hope to see more of that. All righty. See, things are getting better as that segment is getting longer. Normally, we can go almost 35 minutes talking about the COVID Chronicles and our 43,000-foot view above campus. Anyway, things are getting really streamlined. That's probably a good thing. Definitely get a quick pitch in here that we definitely are looking forward to having some more episodes of the scene. Been a little bit crazy lately getting people's time. But, you know, we just have to be patient. After all, all we do is have time as long as we're above ground. Hopefully it stays that way for a while. All righty, we'll take a short break. Welcome back to Fox Strutting in a Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 4. So, 
A lot going on as far as the association is concerned, as we're a third of the way through the season. And of course, things have been going great. No controversies. Been kind of nice, you know, that since the election, and especially the inauguration, that a lot of the rhetoric has died down. Or so we thought. So, of course, the beginning of the season, and through 13 games, Mark Cuban has not played the national anthem beginning before Mavericks games. And, okay, the woke media found out about it last night, and, of course, threw a banshee and a half. And all the um, know-it-alls, all, you know, right, all, all the philosophers and would-be sports writers and gurus all had to chime in. But here's the thing about it. Nobody said anything and was fine. I, you know, I have, my, I have my issues personally from a business standpoint, but whatever the case may be, why make a big deal about it now? Now everybody's screaming, and of course, Mr. Silver comes out and says the NBA's long-standing policy is we play the anthem. So Mr. Cuban has had to backtrack on this, and I guess they're going to start playing the anthem. Now, I was just going back and forth with my man Alec about this, and, you know, I'm not going to argue with folks on this. You know, I kind of say, for me, from a business standpoint, you know, the folks who scream, well, why do we have to have the anthem? We don't do it in other countries. Well, A, this is in other countries, and B, you have a lot of patriotic-minded folks. There's plenty of room to have protests during that that are tasteful. Just saying, meet people halfway. In a league that's losing viewers, that's no joke, no matter how the league tries to sell it. I'll be back to that point in a minute. Well, not in a minute, but towards the end of the show. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know whether or not you do it, you know, before, while the, play board, the players are in the locker rooms or something like that. And it's just one of these things to where, why can't people leave, you know, well known? I mean, I get that somebody may notice of it and that it was going to be a major talking point. But to hear the woke sports media beating their chest, I mean, it, it just, like, be quiet, right? Uh, you know, if you're a progressive owner or even a woke owner, like, like there's a lot of those, maybe they're a four, but a lot of these folks understand their customer base. As I always say to people, these people who scream against it, Kaepernick aside, do these people buy tickets? Do these people buy the league pass or Sunday ticket? If they buy gear, more often than not, it's for a fashion statement. And what playing the anthem is probably not going to change. Yo, man, I got to be fly in my AD jersey or, you know, right, right, the, 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 the Mamba jersey. So, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You know, Mr. Cuban always uh, being astute and clever. I mean, I'm sure there is a method to this, but he's going to comply. Be curious to see if the players um, sort of resist. I don't think so, because ever since the election, their, their, their minds seem to be elsewhere. There were plenty of 
crazy things have not stopped. But since the election and the inauguration, you're just seeing their rhetoric be dialed down. Even Kyrie, who wants to change the world, is being kind of quiet. I don't know. As always, you know we'll be keeping an eye on it. Okay. And then it'd be a crazy part two. The NBA wants to have an all-star game March 7th in Atlanta. The uh, Aaron Fox, LeBron, Giannis, all chime in and they think it's a bad idea. LeBron really thinks it's a bad idea, which is interesting. I know some people feel this would be a great platform for social justice issues and to promote the, you know, HBCUs. And then once again, I sit there and grab my eye and go, really? You know, they have all, all that can be done all year. Be great, you know, like if you were LeBron where you had 71 days to recover, I can see his point. And I just, the real thing is, why would you bring all the best players into a situation where they could themselves turn it into a super spreader event? We're talking Atlanta, y'all. The Dirty South, where all the clubs are. Like these gentlemen can behave themselves. It just seems like a bad idea, and I'm glad the players are voicing their opinion. I know that going back to, as I said, it's a business, whether it's the flag or whether it's that, to have an all-star game, given that there have been no fans now on the stands for almost a year. Yeah, they're taking a hit. So I get any opportunity to generate revenue. Just doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Okay. So as far as on the court, well, before that, the Pistons trade Derrick Rose back to the Knicks for Dennis Smith Jr. in a 2021 second round pick. See what happens there. I know the Knicks have definitely shown a pulse. It's the Eastern Conference. Who knows what can happen? Maybe they can be a 7th or 8th seed. Not quite seeing it yet, but it's possible. And then there are reports out there as the West teams are sizing each other up. Lakers, Utah, blah, blah, blah. I'll get to the power rankings in a second. But reports out there are saying that Lemon Pepper Lou, Southern style Lou Williams, and Pat Bev may be on the trading block. The Clippers looking to be more flexible as they seek to put a small dent in L.A. Lakers' stranglehold over the city of Angels. So power rankings for this week, according to the mouse. The Lakers somehow are number one, even though if you've been watching how they've been playing lately, I don't really know how that's possible. But, okay. Utah, which got another big win last night. They're 20th, they're number two. The Clippers are three. Sixers are four. Bucks are five. Um, let's talk about some of the more notable things that have happened since I last talked with you. So the first thing I would say is, what's up with the Mavs getting stomped at home by a shorthanded Golden State? Nine players suited up. That that was pretty crazy, and that was like their sixth straight loss at home. Things going way, way, way sideways there. Oh, somebody's already responding me. Already responded to my comments. They haven't even heard the podcast. <laughs> uh, I thought another interesting game that was an eye raiser was the Blazers blitzing the 76ers in Philadelphia without Dame Dollar. Of course, the Sixers didn't have Ben Simmons, but still. 
You get rammed like that without Dame Dollar. What's up, Joel Embiid? Then we had the shorthanded Clips and Nets both losing on Friday. Um, Saturday, Embiid shook off that loss of Portland with a 33-9 performance and an impressive win over Brooklyn, as we know. KD's out because of COVID-19 protocols. We also saw Mr. Dokic have 42 points and a win over Golden State when Steph Curry in the same game dropped 57. And that same night, Jokic for Denver also had 50 and a loss of Sa to Sacramento. Imagine having two guys drop 50 and both lose on the same night. But hey, that's the NBA right now. Another impressive thing with the C was Mr. LaMelo dropping seven trays and a Monday win over Houston. I was at a party on Sunday night and a uh, good friend of uh, mine who will be on the one of the shows at some point to talk some soccer and some other and some music which was, was railing on LaVar and about Zoe's shot. And you know, the more I watch LaMelo, I'm like, yeah, you know, LaMelo... LaMelo's much more refined. As I think Zoe's a, good, a pretty all-around decent ball player. I'm really impressed with what we're seeing from LaMelo. Keep it up, kid. And then we have those Pistons. I don't know what you want to say about them. They've been mostly god-awful, but yet they beat the Lakers, took them to double overtime, and then last night beat Brooklyn by 11 which prompted KI to say afterwards the Nets are just average. Well, Kyrie, I kind of agree with you, but at the same time, without... You guys don't play defense, but without KD, these things are going to happen, right? And it, it's going to take a while for you all to gel. All right, we will take a short break, and we will come back with a little something else in a minute. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trading in the Foxhole. Season 2, Episode 4. Four minutes past the 4 o'clock hour on a Wednesday. On a very overcast day in Eugene. It's supposed to snow tonight, maybe into tomorrow. I'm not really looking forward to that. So I'm just over it, but if it happens, it happens. But yeah, the way my joints... And other aching parts of my body feel, yes, it feels like snow is definitely coming. Anyway, so let's talk about something you should probably know. And what's new in the world of sports? Well, another somber one here that we have to report that uh, Leon Spinks passed away at 67 in Las Vegas on February 6th. If you or old enough, you remember him being a 76 Olympic hero with his brother Michael. And that he took Ollie's crown in a very memorable night in 78. Obviously, Ollie was able to get his crown back. But nonetheless, the man held the belt with the title Olympian champion. Our condolences to his family. Rest in peace, Leon. And so, we haven't talked about golf in a bit. 
as we're moving along, we're getting to, you know, the, the, the meat of the PGA season. And we had a big tournament in Phoenix. As always, when we start thinking about, you know, paying attention to the links. Don't say links, you're not over in Europe. Anyway, so Jordan Spieth returns from the Forgotten Zone with a sizzling 61 to take the lead in the third round of the Phoenix Open. But unfortunately, as hot as Jordan was on Saturday, it was Brooks Kepka's 65 on Sunday that was a difference as he gets the win after not making the cut in his last three tournaments played. Fortunately, Spieth kind of, kind of sputtered, failed to keep pace, and ended up finishing fourth. But nonetheless, him dropping a 61 is to let you know that he's getting ready for the major competitions as Brooks Kepka, who always is down when it, in the majors. So it was good to see those guys putting in impressive performances over the weekend. As far as MMA front is concerned, we can tell you that Alexander Volkanov, TKO's Alistair Overeem with a second round TKO in the main event at UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas Saturday night. So far in the Aussie Open, there are no major upsets to report on the men and women's sides as we get past the second round down under. All right, let's see what's going on on the Nightfall of Diamonds. And you know we're talking some MLB. Big news to talk about there as the Dodgers win the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. Well, what did we say about this? We know that Bauer was the most coveted pitcher on the free agent market. Although his career numbers have been, yeah, you know. I mean, yes, is it hard to say what he did last year in this weird 60-game season and say, well, is it going to be worth, get this, he's going to make $40 million this year, people. Yes. $40 million. And this is for somebody and whose who's, uh, game is pitched, 205. He's 75 and 64. So he's 11 games over 500 with a 390 ERA. But, you know, and this is like, gee whiz. I don't know. I, on the one hand, if he... Lives up to the hype. And mind you, $40 million, people. The Dodgers will have one heck of a rotation. With my man CK22, Price, I mean, Bueller. Yeah, try, definitely trying to keep up with the Padres and making sure. You know, the Padres have made some moves to try to have a stellar staff. Dodgers have fallen suit. And I like that, but, I, you know... $40 million for somebody that's 11 games over 500. And when you're talking 205 games, that's enough sample size. You know, so, so, you know okay, bias, I'm a Dodger fan. It makes me kind of nervous. Um, but, you know, then again, it seemed like the move that was going to happen. But when we start talking about $40 million, now mind you, what, two or three teams, that's their entire payroll for the 2021 season. One guy. 
This baseball need to get his finances in order. I mean, pigs, I mean, gee whiz. I mean, I mean, I could see if the guy was like, you know, way back in the day, I know I'm dating myself. Like, remember when Louisiana Lightning Ron Guidry went like 25 and 3? Because if you were coming off a season like that, you know, and then you were like 21 and 6 the year before, but woo! The whole economic thing, you know, with some of these salaries, it's just, it's, it's really mind boggling. And we have no fans to help out right now. Yeah. <laughs> 40 million people for this year. I mean, over the course of the next two or three years, the man's going to make some bank. So, you know, we're in the height of the hot stove with Major League, with Major League Baseball basically now two months away, depending on if they move the season back later. It could be two and a half months, but, you know, give or take. So there's all kinds of moves. You know, for example, we talked about Bauer going to the Dodgers. But one of the interesting and I think cool things is to see the Cards bringing Yadier Molina back for his 18th season in the bigs. Cool stuff there. So let's talk about some uh, administrative stuff as far as MLB is concerned. MLB says they are going to deaden the ball in 2021 to combat a recent home run surge in seasons. Well, 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 speaking of the clear and, the clear and cream, hey, man, we might be seeing some folks bust out the latest iteration of that if we're going to try to keep them hitting the long ball. Once again, can't wait to see how those numbers bear out over what's either going to be a 154 or 162-game season. MLB also has come down this week and has said that the seven-inning doubleheaders and runners and second base to start extra innings will return as 2021 health protocols. However, as I reported earlier in the earlier podcast, I should say, no universal DH. That was shot down. We're happy about that. But yes, we will have seven-inning doubleheaders and runners on second base to start extra innings, which I still think is cockamamie, but whatever. It's all about the health, right? MLB also updated its code of conduct in wake of recent events. We mentioned that last week with Mr. Callaway and Mr. Porter the week before being stupid in the Me Too era. You know, those, those D picks and lewd texts and other unwanted advances using your position of authority. Not a good look in 2021. Convincingly, I said, or I said, conversely, I should say, in my cafe. MLB is coming down on you. It's not a good optic. So, guys, control yourselves. Find the good lady or find women who are down for whatever. But the stuff like with the lady reporters and the, and the administrative assistants and so on, eh, it's probably going to get you in trouble. And then we talk about the baseball writers who I was all over last week. Well, this week they removed G. Taylor Sprink's name from the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame Writers Award. This is, goes to the distinguished writers. You know, I always have a, my eyebrows raised. That said, Sprink founded the Sporting News, which at the time was the Bible of baseball, was against integration, said a lot of things now 
that while he'd be tarred and feathered and the sporting news would be going out of business if he were to do it this era. Don't have a problem with this. The same thing with Judge Landis. But what I really want to know is who are the 3% that were against this thinking or the 11% that didn't want to remove Judge Landis' name from the MVP award? You know, I'd really be curious, at least get their thoughts as to, as to why MLB shouldn't be, get, into, get with the times and sort of move away from some of its racist elements. We're not talking cancel culture here. We're just saying these guys held the game back with their segregationist writings and policies and whatnot. Do I have a problem with canceling those out? A lot of people, I think, in the history of baseball that are more deserving to have their name or not have a name at all, whatever the case may be. Um, another sad thing, speaking of uh, you know baseball writers, uh, Pedro Gomez passing away on Monday at 58. I'm sure you all remember his contentious conversations with Barry Bonds. And for some reason, as even as contentious as Barry and Barry was to him, they always had a unique interaction. You know, there was, you could tell that Barry didn't really care for him, but at the same time, Barry would engage him where he would ignore other folks. Anyways, big loss to ESPN and the baseball writers and general, you know, our condolences go out to his family Friends, you know, at ESPN, Pedro, you'll definitely be missed. So a quick flip over to the ice just to give you what's going on over there. As I told you earlier, you know, we've got, we've got some games that are off the boards. CV-19 quarantine protocols. Aside from that, we've got our power rankings this week. And this is interesting because they keep... They're starting to stabilize, but this week we have the defending champs. The Tampa Bay Lightning are one. The Canadians, they have a taunt number two. The Leafs are three. The Bruins are four. And the Vegas Golden Knights are number five. So, yeah, that's what's going on with the ice as far as who's hot and leading the pace. Okay, folks, that was quick. We will be back with our review of the beautiful game live momentarily. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole. Season 2, Episode 4. F-T-E-I-N-F-X at gmail.com for any suggestions, feedback. If you want to come on the show to talk some sports or come on the other podcast and talk a little arts and culture, definitely like to hear from you. We've always got the Facebook page. Like that if you don't already. You can check out some of our updates and uh, comments that we make of Stuff that goes on during the week. Have some other wonderful things that we're working on for 2021. Stay tuned to see how that evolves. Really excited. We're definitely working to make this a better podcast. It's going to take some time. You know, we can only put so much time into this sort of thing as we're a fledgling uh, entity as far as that goes. 
But yeah, looking forward to some of the things we'll be doing here in the coming months. 2021 is going to be fun. Okay, let's talk about one of my favorite segments of the week, The Beautiful Game Life. And, you know, this time of year when college football, NFL, all sort of go on hiatus, this is kind of when the soccer just really starts to warm up with all the competitions, the league, you know, obviously, the league games, and then the in-country cups, and, and obviously Champions League, Europa League, uh, you know, Libertadores, all that stuff. A lot of things going on this time of year. And obviously this time of year we have the Club World Cup. And we talked last week a little bit about it. And I'll tell you this week that Tigris, UNAL of Liga MX, who knocked out my black and gold, the Los Angeles Football Club, in the, in the, in the SCCL final. Well, they have made quite a splash in this year's edition of the Club World Cup winning their first two matches, taking out, uh, what is it, uh, Hyundai, actually. You know, I've like lost my place in the notes here. But anyways, they took out Olsen Hyundai on Thursday, which was like a 6.30 in the morning, and I was always, you know, chatting with some of my LAFC fans. I shouldn't say always. I was on that particular day. But can you imagine what the circus it would have been had we won SCCL and been in that match at 6.30 in the morning here on the West Coast, everybody drinking beers and whatever, and just, you know, it would have been quite a scene. But that said, Tigris took care of business. And then on Sunday, they matched up with Brazilian side Palmeiras from Sao Paulo, and they took them out. Very impressive. And so they've made it to the final where they will meet, ding, 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 Bayern Munich, you know, who I think is probably the best team in the world. They took care of their opponent, which is, uh, I forget, El Ally, or I, forget, I don't know how to pronounce that. Anyway, Mr. M Mr. Mr. All Everything, Lewa, Robert Lewandowski, had a brace. Anyhow, it'll be Tigris and Bayern Munich. Club World Cup final later this week. We'll be talking about it extensively when we meet again a week from now. So, speaking of the Major League Soccer, Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer's Players Association have tentatively agreed on a new six-year CBA that will ensure labor peace through 2027. However, we learned today Due to those extended CBA talks that allowed this agreement to be hammered out, the beginning of the season has been pushed back two weeks. So instead of the season starting April 3rd, it has been pushed back to April 17th. Boo. But at the same time, we can rejoice that we will have MLS from mid-April all the way through December. Mid-December. So excited. Looking forward to some of the new teams. Anyway. Garber says, the commissioner, Don Garber, says that the MLS doesn't have fans in the stadium for the majority of this upcoming season. The league is looking at losses as high as $1 billion. All I can say is a big yikes to that. I don't know if this league can sustain that kind of a hit. Especially, you know, with expansion and all the money that, that uh, these clubs have come online. 
in recent years, you know, Minnesota, LAFC, Cincinnati, Nashville, St. Louis, Austin, all coming online. It's, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of good things that are happening for this league. It's talking about LAFC being in the SCCL final and the visibility and possibly almost making it to the Club World Cup. You would hate to see the league on the cusp of some fantastic years ahead as we move closer to the World Cup that was going to be in this continent in 2026. Yeah. You know, Governor Cuomo letting 10% back into places in New York, that to me is a good sign, as I said earlier. You know, I just feel maybe when we get to June, July, I, we can get higher than 10 or 15% given how well, you know, the, the vaccination rollout starts to pick up under this new administration. Skeptical on that front, but then again, my as I've said in previous episodes, complaining about my mom not getting vaccinated. She's 86 and should have been at the front of the line. She just called me. That's why I had to retape this segment that told me that she just got her vaccine. Awesome miles about that, which leads me to say that, okay, maybe we can have fans in the stands by late spring, early summer. And I mean, not just 10%, because 10% is not going to cut. I mean, yes, the revenue will help, but you're going to need a little bit more than that. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things I'm also excited about is CONACAF bringing them back up. They're going to expand SCCL, which is Champions League, by adding a group stage and a knockout round in 2023 and 2024. Fantastic. I think the competition is fantastic as it is. More teams, more drama, more visibility. Once again, as I say, as we move towards the World Cup in 2026, these are all wonderful things. And this is kind of a bittersweet one for me. Yes, I am happy that the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open is going to resume after taking a hiatus for the first time since the tournament's inception in 1914. As you know, as I've said on this podcast many times, what a huge fan I am of this competition. I believe it is one of the premier competitions in all of American sport. Doesn't get the love that it deserves. And the 2020 edition that's resuming, it's going to be in a compressed format, which means instead of the 104 teams and is it eight or nine rounds that are typical of the competition, it's going to be 24 teams in five rounds, meaning there's only going to be eight MLS teams compared to the 24 that are usually there, which if I'm not, if I'm not sure, I have to look. I think LAFC's out of that, which is kind of a disappointment. But then again, you know they were kind of shaky in the regular season last year, making focus on the MLS Cup. But yeah, it is kind of a drag that there will only be eight squads. Uh, but still... It's a wonderful competition where you get people from all the different tiers and you get the average Joes going up against the best. So even in a compressed format, I will be watching. I will be talking about it extensively on this podcast during this segment, The Beautiful Game Live. But yeah, not being able to have 104 teams. But, you know, once again, we're 
crawling slowly back. I don't want to say some normalcy because I don't think there is going to be any normalcy, but we are getting back to being able to have our some of our competitions or tournaments. As we talked about earlier, the COVID and 43,000 foot views above campus, still pretty edgy. But as I also mentioned about the high schools pushing to play, I think we're making a lot of progress. And seeing the U.S. Open Cup, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup return is another sign that that's all true. Okay, so what's going on as far as the messy watch? Because we have to have a messy watch every week, you know that. So this week's river has Messi or has Manchester City, those citizens, saying they're going to go all in for Leo's services when he's able to leave Barcelona on a free transfer this coming summer. After Mr. Coben chided PSG for saying such things, it's just like, you know what? If he can leave on a free transfer, the rumors are going to be out there. They're only going to get more intense as far as teams figure out a way to get his talents. As we saw with Tom Brady, as we see with LeBron, you know he still has some good years as well as CR7. So somebody's going to put the package together if Leo doesn't want to be in Barcelona. And given the state of things in Barcelona, I wouldn't, I'm not going to bet against him leaving, but it wouldn't be shocked if he does take his talents elsewhere. Okay. So what's happening on the pitch? A lot to talk about here. I can tell you about, let's start with the EPL. Yes, I think it's the best league in the world. Chelsea, on a roll. My buddy Thomas Tuchel, he's taking care of business. They took care of the Spurs on Thursday, and they also closed out Sunday, winning again, taking care, taking care of the Blades, Sheffield United. There was a Everton rallying for a stunning draw at Old Trafford. We had Leicester City and the Wolves draw. We Chelsea had lost. I mean, the Spurs that lost to Chelsea last week, they bounced back with a big win over West Brom. I guess the story of the week would be the Reds losing at Anfield again. Yes, Liverpool losing for the third time in a row, first time since '63. Once again, going back, you know, to the days of the Beatles, Stan Musial's last days, and Pete Rose's early days. Right, this is a long time ago. City wins there for the first time in 17 tries. So is it that Liverpool is melting down or is their you know, run of amazing success over, you know, between like 17 and 20 finally come up with them? I think it's injuries. Plus, I just feel right that they're in a very competitive league. They're bummed. They hit a rough spot. I think they'll be fine. They may miss out on... Being in Champions League this year, I don't think they're going to win the league the way Manchester City is playing. But yeah, I just think they're hitting a rough patch. It's bound to happen, given how dominant they were, you know, from 17 to 20. I mean, 2017 to 2020. Anyway, so let's talk about the FA Cup. Manchester United needed extra time to get past West Ham yesterday. As far as today goes... The Swansea's backed with their American reinforcements. City just says no problem. They cruise 3-1. Leicester City got a win over Brighton Howe. And the game that ended a little while ago, Everton edged the Spurs 5-4 in extra time. Moving over to Germany in the Bundesliga, 
by our 11 cruiser rolled at Stuttgart. Rolls at Stuttgart, 5-2. Leipzig cruises at Schalke. No Matthew Hoppe siding again. Obviously clean-sheeted. Matching Gladbach, stumble at home to Cologne. And VBB, those trash talkers, they lose at Freiburg 2-1. Uh, you know, I, used to, I have love for BBB, but them getting studied with PSG makes me laugh, seeing that they're struggling right now. As far as Serie A goes, Atalanta and, and Torino, 3-3 draw. Juventus clean sheets Roma as CR7 backs another goal to add to his all-time leading totals. Napoli falls at 2-1 Genoa. My man... Ibrakadabra, that's another brace as AC Milan continues the roll. 4-0 win at home. As far as the Coppa Italia goes, Juventus and Inter play to a 0-0 tie with Juventus advancing 2-1 on aggregate and Atlanta defeats Napoli to advance. La Liga, Real Madrid gets a, gets a big win. Sevilla, Sevilla takes care of business at Hitafe. Barca gets a 3-2 win on the road at Real Betis. Atletico Madrid stumbles slightly with a 2-2 draw, but they still lead by, what is it, 9, 10 points? Still rolling. As far as the Copa del Rey goes, today, speaking of Messi and Barca, they were defeated by Sevilla as Rakitic gets a little revenge, scoring a goal. That's the first leg. of their. You know There'll be another leg next week. See if Barca can dig themselves out of another hole. As far as League One goes, Leon Cruz at home beating Strasbourg. Lille continues its strong form at the top of the table with a clean sheet at not. PSG goes and beats their arch rivals, Olympic Marseille, 2-0. You know, it just makes me smile whenever we can beat those guys back. Typical crap housery from them as far as some of their tactics, trying to hurt our guys. Now, speaking of Coupe de France going on right now, Back today, we had Leon cruising at Strasbourg. No, excuse me. Leon cruised yesterday at Jacquero 5-0. Today, it was Leon over Dijon 1-0. PSG squeaks by Kane, but here's the problem. Neymar got hurt. And this is the ongoing problem. Why does Neymar always get hurt on the eve of big Champions League matches? Woo! I mean... Is this like the third, fourth time? And it was over something stupid. You know, I mean, I know it was kind of a tight match. Kind of wondered why he was out there. I know this was the first time him, him wearing the captain's armband since coming to Paris and all that stuff. But, yes. Now PSG, who's going to Camp New next week, now looks at the possibility of not having Neymar, not having Verratti, not having Kaylar Navas. Yeah, it just, it, you know, they never can get a good streak of, of players being healthy at the same time in the squad, especially Neymar when it really counts as PSG looks to finally break through. You know, last year they got they got a break with the, with the weird way with COVID. That's why well, Neymar couldn't have gotten hurt and was able to, that's where we made the run, plus having an easy drop. Notice how I say we being a homer. I apologize for that. It happens. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on in the beautiful life. I mean, the beautiful game life. We will be back with our NFL report, Super Bowl wrap-up, and all that kind of stuff momentarily. Meanwhile, I'm going to go enjoy myself a 
adult beverage. Welcome back to Fox Trolling in the Foxhole, Season 2, Episode 4. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Time for one more segment, which is the NFL Report. We start off with, unfortunately, another somber note here. Legendary coach Marty Schottenheimer passes away at 77. We all know Marty from his stints with Cleveland, Kansas City, Washington, and then San Diego. A top 10 coach. And all-time wins, took many teams to the brink, but didn't quite come away with a championship. I know from my own experience, he coached what was the Washington Redskins at one time, started at 0-5, bounced back with an 8-8, a lot of fun stuff before Dan Snyder got enamored with Steve Spurrier. Anyways, Marty's class act, a lot of wonderful things said about him the past couple of days. You know, from former players, people like Bill Cower, definitely the NFL fraternity has lost one of its valued members. Our condolences go out to his family, fans of all the teams that he rooted for. Rest in peace, Marty. So, over the weekend before the Super Bowl, what was that, Saturday night, they had the NFL honors. As of, you know, it was at Cronkey's uh, Palace in Inglewood, and I think that was one of the selling points when Stan had his proposal to the NFL as far as bringing the Rams back to Los Angeles from St. Louis was that they would be able to have a lot of their events, parties, galas there. Anyway, this whole Academy Award style thing that they do, it just, I never had the stomach for it. You know, tell me about who wins. Anyway, if anybody watched it and has some insight, let me know, fdinfix at gmail.com. The only thing that I can tell you, there's a couple of things. I mean, obviously, Herbert winning the Rookie of the Year, Chase Young winning, you know, the Defensive Rookie of the Year, Alex Smith being Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron Rodgers being the MVP. But that Russell Wilson winning the Man of the Year, that's what really got my attention. And this is not a dig at Russ at all. This is more like, you know, the same thing with Drew, Drew Brees really good a while back. It's like, man, don't these guys have everything? Fantastic wives. Uh, not that they don't do amazing things in the community, but I always wonder about some of the smaller guys, you know, that everybody nominates somebody for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. They like to, let's say, the Washington football team, Jonathan Allen. I always think it'd be better to highlight some of these lesser-known players as opposed to seeing someone like, Somebody so visible. I mean, like I said, Russ is involved in so much. He owns a piece of the Sounders. He wants to be part of the group that brings baseball to Portland and all the other cool things that him and his beautiful wife, Sierra, are, are doing. Like I said, not a dig, but it's just like, wow, well, you know, what else can it do? You know, guy's got the looks. You know, he's going to have a great career afterwards. Anyways, congratulations, Russ, for winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Okay. Let's get down and dirty and talk. Oh, wait a minute. Before we get to that, 
let's talk about, I forgot all about it. Getting ahead of myself. What about Canton welcoming, welcoming a solid class of legends? And who do you say is going to be enshrined and get the beautiful gold jacket? Well, Peyton Manning. Big surprise there, huh? Congratulations, Peyton. It's also good to see Charles Charlie Woodson. Another well-deserving. Same with CJ. CJ left the game early, but I guess you could say he's one of those guys that was the dominant person throughout his career. I don't have a problem with CJ going to the Hall of Fame. John Lynch, eh, I don't know. Maybe it becomes a personality contest, but hey, he was a solid contributor for two championship teams. Solid career. He's he's a, a smart. He's what you've seen him do in San Francisco. Okay, I don't know if I would have put him in the Hall of Fame, but once again, I'm not going to have a hardcore objection. Although, if he's there, why the hell is Joe Jacoby not? <laughs> Alan Fanica, no problem there. Drew Pearson, big problem. Yeah, he made the top 70s team, but then again, I don't even know if he was one of the top 70s receivers. In the 70s, one of the top receivers. He had some big moments that catch at Bloomington. Beyond legendary, the catch he made against my team, the Redskins at the time, 74 Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, he had some big moments, but was he a Hall of Famer in an era of great receivers? I say, hell no. That's just me. Really stoked to see Tom Flores finally get his just due. Man winning two Super Bowls, not in. Guy that got it done in the playoffs? Are you kidding me? I don't care if people say he was Al's puppet. I, you know, even to put up with Al, the put up with Al and his BS, dude belongs to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, Flores is no stooge, you know. He's a, he's a definite stand-up guy. So I'm really glad to see Tom Flores, who's also had a great career as a player, get into Canton. Fantastic for you. This sip of... Two towns out to you, Mr. Flurries. Well done. Shame on you, Hall of Fame, for it taking so long. Okay, now let's talk. So, sources say Carson Wentz is going to be moved soon. And apparently Chicago is the destination with possibly sending Fools back to Philadelphia for a third time. Yeah, I and there's talk that he may go to Indianapolis and be with Frank Wright. It's clear he probably needs a new start. Do you give up a lot for him? I say no, but his contract is going to create some problems. Speaking of problems, well, sources also say the Texans are not going to be bullied into moving Deshaun Watson. In fact, our latest stance is... No, he may want out, but we have no intentions of trading him. We know that team president, Jamie Roots, resigned for putting 20 years with the club. Can you imagine that club's been around that long now? Basically, in Roots resigning, culminates what has been a true cleaning of the existing front office with Bill O'Brien, their director of player personnel, and others uh, being shown the door. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Um, 
You know, it's it, it's kind of a generational argument that's kind of being made with this one, right? You know, you've got a lot of folks who are like, well, he should honor his contract and makes the money and should put up with it. You have a lot of folks that say he's in his prime. Why should he be where he's unhappy? We've talked about this, and after seeing, you know, Harden being able to successfully force his way out of Houston, I'm not sure how this is going to end. He says he's willing to sit out, but I think that would be pretty stupid too. That would be pretty damaging in the long run as well. I, is it going to be a stalemate? Well, I don't know. My instinct kind of tells me, yes, it's going to be. I mean, I don't, you know, unless somebody can come up with a package. And I you know the kind of package that Houston's going to want. As good as Deshaun is, I'm not, I don't know if I would go that route. I mean, there's, I, I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. We'll be keeping an eye on that. So, in other news, well, the Washington football team is into a little suspense. No, they didn't make a big trade, but they are bringing Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke back for two years at $8.75 million. Good deal for him. I'm hoping he gets a chance to compete. I do think Washington is going to make some moves, but then again, this guy knows the system, and based on how they played against that tough Buccaneers defense, that was missing some key people because of COVID-19, but still, eh, good for him. Glad to see he's getting an opportunity. So let's get to the Super Bowl. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about Russ one more time. You know, Mr. Everything, before I get to the Super Bowl. What do you think about Russ yesterday complaining about getting hit too much and kind of taking subtle dicks of the, the organization as far as not getting the kind of protection he had early in his career as far as having, you know, a top-flight offensive line? Well, I get where Russ is coming from and, you know, this whole idea that he wants to have a, a bigger say in things. As I've said before, I don't know about having a bigger say, but having input, at least being consulted and, and maybe sitting on discussions, I don't think that's a problem. I think it gets a little bit, um, I don't know if it's, I think it's, I don't want to say crossing the line, but then again, for some, because of the, the freak nature of, of things, and how it could change in a minute, whether trade, retirement, injury. You know, <laughs> let's apply the bricks to how much say you really you're going to have. I think some input and to be consulted, I think is fine. But you know, let's not, you know, overestimate our importance because we could always be easily replaced. <laughs> Ask Matt Flynn whose job he took. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the ball. Yeah, 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 it was, you know... The week started out for the Chiefs not good. With Andy Reid's kid, Brett, being in a bad accident while impaired, apparently, with alcohol and pills. And you know, if you know his Andy's sons, they're past. <laughs> you know, they had an issue. What the judge said at one point, their house was, you know, a pharmacy and a few other things scolding them. Anyways, I don't want to make light of this because, the, you know, the, the, one of the kids is in serious condition. Obviously, that sort of put a dark cloud on what would be a very long week for the Chiefs. And basically, Tampa Bay 
defense and terrific Tom, Tampa Bay, they crushed Kansas City's hopes of repeating. Tampa's defense. Now, you know, I predicted KC winning. But what did I say? For, for, after that Washington game, you cannot settle for field goals. And that was happened with Washington, New Orleans, Green Bay. Opportunities in the red zone where you don't convert. You have Tampa Bay's defense, all the props, Todd Bowles. That man needs another opportunity, I think. Yeah, I mean, as good as Brady was, and Brady was fantastic, the defense is why they are hosting a second-line border trophy. Yeah, a lot of talk about Brady, Gronk, and the hoodie, and people saying, does this lessen what Belichick has done? If you know the game, and I've said this many times, are you blanking kidding me? Anybody who watched the Giants back in the day and know how Belichick played an instrumental role in those teams and disaffected. Yeah, they, they only won two, but they prevented teams like the Redskins and Giants, I mean, the Redskins and 49ers and Bears and other teams from winning. That's, just, you know, the kind of impact that guy has. Um, I think it enhances Brady's legacy and, and as well as Gronk's. I mean, obviously, Brady's the GOAT. You know, I've had some long, you know, I'm, I'm always going to say, for my money, give me Montana, especially in this basically seven-on-seven seven league that we have now. Give me Montana. But, hey, I'm not going to, like, sit here and die on the hill. Brady's got seven rings. Seven and three, folks. I mean, that's absolutely staggering. So let's talk about Mahomes and all the pre the premature goat talk. One, I thought Mahomes got hurt in that Cleveland game, but he wasn't himself. I'm not saying that that's the reason that don't I feel that Kansas City didn't adjust well, but you could tell the elusiveness that Mahomes usually shows. He just wasn't quite right. I'm not making excuses for him. Injuries are a part of the game, but he wasn't, you know, himself. And you could see it. He just there's no fluidity there. The movement, even even his throws were off. Um, yes, I said last year after winning his first one, let's put the brakes on this goat talk. A lot of things can happen. He lost one, so what? And he got blown out, which is something that Brady has, has never happened to. And Skip Bayless is like, wow, he can't be this, and others are well. Okay, so what if he goes on the win, you know, goes 8-1? Do we have a different conversation? Who knows? The point being, for now, let Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes and stop all this goat talk, and he can focus on getting the Chiefs back to the Super Bowl. Uh, tough fall from grace from them, but hey, the Patriots D. And, you know, I just knew with that at the end of the half, giving up that touchdown. I don't know what Andy Reid was thinking, calling that that uh, timeout. But, you know, watching the previous weeks and seeing what Brady does, you know, with, with a minute and a half on the clock, what he's done throughout his career, that was pretty much, you know, the game, you know, pretty, I thought that broke Casey's back. But then again, their inability to be effective in the red zone, yeah, you know, hats off to the Buccaneers. Hey, props to the NFL, by the way, for getting through this season. It, 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 you know, in a non-bubble situation, yeah, there were some hiccups. There were some questionable moments as far as the integrity of the competition, like with the Broncos and some of the uh, 
trials and tribulations that the Steelers went through that sort of put them at a disadvantage when we got to the end of the season. It wasn't going to be perfect. You know, we missed the fans being there. You know, we've talked, you know, kind of in this episode about the implications of, of that being, and hopefully that we'll get fans back by the time we roll around to the 2021 season. But yeah, overall, you know, props to the NFL. However, I got to, you know, also be, you know, Debbie Downer here and talk about, you know, the low ratings. Down 15 million viewers from the 2020 telecast. Now, a lot could be said about that. The blowout, the halftime show that a lot of people were down with, or just complete apathy. And, you know, this is just part of a trend that's really ongoing right now. And we'll just throw out some numbers here. So the Super Bowl was down 9%. The college football championship was down 27% from the previous year. The World Series is down 30%. NBA Finals down 49%. Kentucky Derby down 49%. Final round of the Masters down 58%. And the Stanley Cup final down 61% from previous year, 2019. What does that all say? Can it be the social justice protests and all of, you know, the wokeness coming from sports turning people off? Maybe. Could it be that this pandemic has taught us that it was gone. We can live without it. And some people chose not to come back. That could be a possibility. I'm not sure, but those are some very startling numbers that I'm sure are keeping the commissioners of all of these leagues and network executives up late, late, late at night if they get any sleep at all. All right, folks, we have reached that moment. TMA time. Well... We're just going to give out complimentary bowls. I don't think anybody deserves the big stainless steel bowl of the smelly varieties. Not this week. We'll just go with complimentary bowls. So, first one has to be that fool and the leotard or whatever it was that snuck under the field. We didn't see it, but obviously, thanks to YouTube and lots of photos, we got this fool who had to get on the field and get his 15 minutes of fame by interrupting the Super Bowl. And get, you know, smacked down by somebody. Yeah, you know, I'm just getting so tired of these people. It's like going, really? You mooned everybody. You got your 15 minutes. And then you got booked in jail. And now you're going to have to spend money. Maybe you've got money to burn. But who knows? Or you're just one of these whacked out influencers like courtside Karen. Enough of these people. Got to give them a complimentary pull to the weekend. You know, I'm not going to comment on this performance. If you're into it, great. If you're not, you know, understandable as well. I'm more giving this for you spent seven million dollars of your own gene for that for your for that halftime show so it could be elaborate. I'm like, wow, for seven million dollars, man, you could have done a lot of good in this type of of of, of hurt and need. But you know, you do with your own money. But seven million dollars for all that, yeah, you deserve a complimentary bowl. Um, gotta give one to the Tampa Bay fans. Come on, man, we've gone too far to get everybody sick and have a super spreader event. Really, let's have some judgment. Put your damn mask on and keep your distance. And then I got to give one to my friends at the Washington Post. You know, I've been on them for a long time after, you know, reading them most of my life, you know, to keep up with the Washington football team, a.k.a. the Redskins. But that their headline about Marty Schottenheimer's passing, talking about, 
coach that's teams fizzled and and big games or wilted, whatever it says, come on, have some class and some respect for the man. The guy is an icon of sports game concerned. You didn't have to get a dig there, especially, you know, you know that, that, that paper is so vindictive. All right, folks. Another great episode, as far as I'm concerned. Tell me if it's not. Tell me what I can do better. As always, mask up, socially distance, do all those things. We're getting closer. 10% in New York, starting this week, even concerts. So we're getting there. So now that we're getting closer to being able to do the things, be safe and sane. Be on the lookout for more content as far as FTINX, the scene, coming soon, I promise. Some guests coming up on this show as well. A lot of cool things coming up in 2021. Anyway, we will be back with some more fun stuff in about a week or so. Until then, keep the peace.